Hello, KGF Church family. My name's Michelle. I'm the lead administrator here at KGF Church. We're really happy to report that as of September 1st, our pastor Levi is back with us full time. That's a huge blessing, and we thank God for for that provision every day. Um, As we work through job duties and descriptions, the board and the leadership team are working on um, pastoral duties and jobs. That will be reported in an HR report in this fall at the AGM. Uh, We'll be announcing an AGM date shortly. We also want to say that KGF is open, that we're able to accommodate some groups who need a space this fall and winter um, for hosting um, either a small group, a life group, or a hub. So if you don't have space in your home and you're hoping to do something um, to allow for physical distancing, you can call the church office or email office at kgfchurch.com and we can help to try to find a space for you. And finally, there's a financial update um, in Thursday's newsletter, so you can see that there. We're so thankful that we've been continued, um, that we've been able to continue uh, meeting our financial needs this year, and we're really great, grateful for that as we all partner together to continue uh, the ministry that God has set for us. Thank you. Well, everyone, we're uh, excited today to have Javat Kuznici here with us. Uh, Javat is uh, a member of KGF Church, and uh, we're excited to hear his good news story today. Javat, welcome to the living room, or the dining room, I guess. (laughs) It's good to be here. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for being here. Hey, uh, you were born in Kosovo. Correct. um, You were raised in a Muslim home, so you Muslim background. You became a Christian. Uh, around 17, correct? Uh, yeah, um, that was in 2001. Wow, so could you tell us, as we're doing this series, this series about the good news, how does somebody growing up in a Muslim culture experience the power of the good news? How did it come into your life? Well, I grew up, like you said, in the Muslim uh, family, but in the country, the Kosovo in that time was under communism which makes it even harder. Yeah, the double whim. Yeah, so when I would go to school, we would have to sing songs to the supreme leader at that time. Uh-huh. But then when you go home, you're like practicing your own like uh, faith and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and yes, growing up as a Muslim, uh, you learn a lot about just uh, doing all the good deeds and stuff to be able to go to heaven. and. Uh, but like you said, when I, in 1998, things progressed to like um, the war happened, you know, and everything's starting to become really bad. And, you know, and this war was between, you know, Christians and Muslim. Mm. Um, and it's something that uh, we despised Christians because they killed, they killed, you know, women, uh, children. Pregnant oh, woman. So sorry. Uh, and my parents almost got killed. Uh, I don't know. Just God saved him. Wow. Uh, so we had that hatred towards the cross. Because every time they killed somebody, they put a cross in their body. Wow. Uh, just to... Because uh, to a Muslim person doing that, it's... Beside killing you, putting a shame. Yeah. So it's like a 
killing you twice. Oh, it's just grief. So it's just, and then they would put cross everywhere in the streets and the, like. So it's just yeah. So how how does that cross then become good news to you? Like that's just amazing. Well, yeah. Well, during the war, we um, had to. Our family got together. We actually got kicked out with the guns and everything. Uh, they gave us about 30 seconds to leave our home or we would get killed. And once we did that, we got in the train. We went to the border between uh, Kosovo and Macedonia. We were there for two months just living on the, on the land. as snow. It was just barely any water, barely any food uh, to go by. I remember sneaking through the wire, like uh, border wire. Uh -huh just to go get food. And one time I got stuck, my jacket was stuck. And <laughs> like I just, a movie scene? Yeah, so and I was like, I ripped the jacket and I was just like crawling, trying to go uh, and get food for my family. And then finally they uh, let us go to camps that was uh, by uh, uh, NATO troops. They were controlled and from there, uh, we had chances to go to Canada, US, but my father decided to go to Germany because hmm. it was closer to home. Right. So while we were there, as a big family of nine kids, uh, we were always going down the street and you know, uh, very loud. And this lady comes out and uh, started being friend with us, and she invites us home. And uh, <laughs> she used to share with us about Jesus, and uh, she used to give me these cassettes with uh, praise and worship. And I used to take it home, and I would used to record something else in those like <laughs> free tapes. Yeah, rap music or something, you know. Wow, that's like this is crazy. But um, she was the one who was praying for us. Wow. She she uh, put the seats uh, for us to, and once we went uh, came back to Kosovo, we started hanging out with some uh, missionaries from United States, and they invited us to go and, uh, you know do the Bible study, and we're like, mm, I don't know. Wow. This is different, because you're t telling us to come learn about something that we despise so bad. And so they, they just come and, you know, see it. If you don't like it, no harm. Yeah. So we went, and then we studied the Bible with them for nine months. Yeah. For nine months. And after nine months, we, uh, my two sisters accepted Jesus, and then me and my brother, we accepted Jesus. And then we decided to tell my dad about that, and he just lost it. Wow. It's like the same yeah. people that killed us. You want to become like them. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's I could feel the Holy Spirit. I could feel God. I could feel love, mm. you know, forgiveness and everything. Which but set it apart from the Christians that you know, Christians in name at least, who murdered people that you knew and loved and neighbors. And I think if you would, in many other Christian, like Orthodox Christian, the, the way I understand is that the what the priest teaches them, that's all what they learn. Mm -hmm. They don't read the Bibles or anything. And so the Bible was the powerful thing for you. Right? Yes. Because right. I've had Serbian friends who told me that they never read the Bible. It's only what the priest tells them. So the priest could, like, twist things. So how did the Bible come alive for you? Like, it's, was, that, was that really the turning point for you? I think every time I read the Bible, I could uh, feel Holy Spirit talking to me and saying, you know, 
I've chosen you between all these people in the world. I've chosen you to follow me. And having that experience, it's almost like makes you cry because, you know, here I thought I was pretty strong in religion, believing in God, uh, uh, fasting for 30 days every year, you Mm -hmm. know, doing all this stuff, trying to be good, not stealing and everything. But for me, the turning point is every time you read Bible, it's, wow, it's actually, it's living God who is telling you something, speaking Mm. to you. Um, A living God is telling you to forgive others, you know, even when they kill you. Wow. So then my dad said to to us, I don't want to have to do anything with you guys. You can leave the house. And we said, I think we will do that. We're going to choose Jesus rather than you. What a courageous thing. Yeah. And then after a while, I, probably like three to six months, something like that, he called us back and he saw the difference in us, that we were, uh, what we were believing was true. It's not something that we are just changing faith just because we can and we want to, but it's something that's very powerful. It's something is real. Wow. So um, then he accepted who we, who we were. It's amazing. And uh, not all the other ones, like friends and stuff, would not understand why. You know, especially when you're believing the same thing from those people who are killing us and, you know, doing genocide. Mm-hmm. So when I accepted Jesus, that was the best gift ever. That's awesome. And I just really want to thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing and like bringing this contrast between the true good news of what God does and who he is and what he does, his love for all people in spite of sometimes what people who call themselves Christians can do. This is the power of the gospel. It's the power of good news. Thank you so much. Church, um, say thanks to Javad. You can do it right now at home. Thanks, Javad. Pleasure to have you with us today. It's good to be here. Thank you. Isaiah 11, verses 1 to 10. Out of the stumps of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a brand, a new branch bearing fruit from the old roots and the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance, nor make a decision based on heresy. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word, and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion, and the little child will lead them all. The cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a calf. The baby will play safely near the hole of cobra. Yes, the little child will put its hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harming. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For as the water filled the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. In that day, the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him. 
and the land where he lives will be a glorious place. Hi everyone, so glad that you're a part of our worship experience this morning. And this week we begin a new series called Good News. And we have a 50-day scripture reading plan. We've been having that over the last number of months. Uh, and we just hopefully just finished the one in Mark. Uh, there's a 50-day reading plan for this series, Good News. You can get it online through the newsletter uh, or just give the office a shout and we'll make sure that you get one. You can use it in your triad, use it in life group, use it as a household, use it individually. Kids, you can use it to follow along and understand the big story of God's good news. And Pastor Levi put it together, so it'll be awesome. Uh, you're going to see this picture here. Look at that picture. That's Zoe Weens. Uh, we're both sad and celebrating. We're sad because the Weens family has left. They've moved to New Brunswick. But as in their leaving, Zoe popped by our office, and that's Gilles Chaput, our church treasurer. And Zoe dropped by some coins that her neighbor gave to her, and she, the neighbor said, you can have them if you roll them. So Zoe rolled them, and Zoe has brought a number of them by the church as part of the kids' Gardam Lake mission project. And so kids, follow Zoe's lead. She's done something, and now she's zipping off to New Brunswick, leaving an example for you all to follow. Kids, remember Gardam Lake. You guys took this on as a project this year. Continue to give to Gardam Lake through KGF Church. You can do that. So did you make some money this summer? What about sharing some of that with Gardam Lake? Did you uh, sell some lemonade and made a bit of money? How about giving it to Gardam Lake? And uh, let's meet our goal. You guys are awesome. And thank you again to our whole church as we continue to share and give and do the work of the kingdom together. Hubs, we're moving into that. As you know, some of you are meeting that way right now. So awesome. And so we have a little task for you right now. All of you uh, chiming in right now. Hubs are mini KGF, gospel and fellowshipping communities. And so are you a hub meeting together right now? As you're watching this, are you with other households of KGF participating in our, in our common worship gathering? If you are, I want you right now, I'm actually not kidding, I'm going to pause and even wait. I want you right now to send an email, garth at kgfchurch.com. Let us know your hub where, uh, and who you, who you are so that we can connect, support, train, and develop you as hub leaders, okay? Garth at kgfchurch.com. Are you a hub meeting right now? Somebody send an email to Garth. He's waiting by, waiting for that email. And I'm going to pause actually while you do that. Kids, if no adult in the room is doing this right now, somebody tell them to hop to it, okay? Garth at kgfchurch.com. And also, if you're not part of a hub, maybe you're watching alone right now, if you're not part of a hub, but you'd love to be and you don't know how to get connected, also send a note, garth at kgfchurch.com or call the church office. We'll work to connect you into a hub nearby you. There's some that are emerging, more that are going to be starting. Garth at kgfchurch.com. Have you done it? Come on, follow through. As we've been spending time together over the last number of months, we've ended each of our times together with a question that you and your hubs can begin to discuss and move toward application and practice in your life and in your neighborhood and in this city. 
Today's question as we start this series called Good News is this, if Jesus is God's good news for the world, what does believing look like this week? If Jesus is God's good news for the world, what does believing look like this week? That's the question that you're going to have a chance to discuss and think about together as a group in just a little while. Early on November the 8th, 2018, our family was sleeping snugly with anticipation. The, the morning would bring two joys. We would be celebrating our son's ninth birthday, and we would be packing up the car to go to California for a long-awaited holiday. It was Jen and my 25th wedding anniversary. We're going to do this great trip, and why we were taking our entire brood on our anniversary escape remains a mystery to this day, but we're getting older and wiser. Uh, our luggage was waiting at the front entrance. We were all excited. And then at 4 a.m., the phone rang. And you know what that's like. Your first thought when the phone startles you out of your sleep is, of course, wow, I bet this will be good news. Huh? You've been there. Well, of course it wasn't. It was my aunt on the phone letting us know that my mom in Ontario had passed away. And we'd been living for years with the reality of my mom's health challenges, the possibility that she would be passing away. And so the trip that we were about to take to California was to be a good news escape from that reality. Instead, the news of her passing initiated a great reversal and all our plans had to turn on a dime. And instead of a road trip to warm California, we booked flights for late fall, southern Ontario. The news is beyond our control. You know that. We planned for a family adventure, but we couldn't plan the phone call. We planned for life in March 2020, but we couldn't plan a pandemic. Kids had planned summer events and dreams, but we couldn't plan for everything to stop. The people on the Golodnaya Steppe in Uzbekistan couldn't, could, couldn't plan for the bursting of the Sardoba Reservoir on May the 1st that left over 100,000 people scrambling. The people of Beirut couldn't plan for the port explosion on August the 4th that left 300,000 people homeless, many dead, over $10 billion in damage. George Floyd, Jacob Blake, the police officers with whom their lives would intersect had all planned their days, but they and their cities and in fact, entire nations couldn't plan for all that has transpired. You see, you can plan, but you can't plan for that doctor's call or that choice of your spouse or your child or that accident or that trauma or that lightning strike and on and on and on go life's great boom, reversals. And there's another stark reality. We all face an impending great reversal. Life will end. Breathing, your breathing, pay attention right now. Come on, kids, do it. All right, life, breath. Breathing will become breathlessness. We will all die. And the time for planning will screech to a halt. So it's a life principle. We make plans, but news beyond our control and the reality that we are finite human beings living in a broken world will lead to great reversals. And so quickly as a group where you are right now, discuss this. What's been one of your life's great reversals? What have been one of the great reversals of your life? And 
You can actually pause the live stream right now and discuss that, or I'll just pause for a second while you do that. What have been one of the great reversals of your life? Just discuss it together. It's a fascinating question because we've all faced it in some way because the illusion of endless progress besets North American life. We're smitten by the draw of upward mobility that the good news life is just around the corner or in the next store. And yet on the way to the mall, we are bombarded by endless bad news headlines. And if we're trapped in those spinning news cycles, we become incapable of believing a bigger story, a God story. And we're left blown hopelessly in the wind like the tattered flags of the nations that shiver and shake in the winds of these tumultuous days. A television news hour is an interesting thing. In some ways, it's a metaphor for life. 55 minutes of cascading disasters, competing opinions and sound bites topped off by a blip of good news. Have you ever noticed this? Right at the end, they'll put like a puppy rescued or some unexpected kindness or a wolf and a lamb playing together, a placebo for our dark times. And we chuckle at that good news pill. But did we cry at all at what came before? Or we simply ignore the bad news altogether and we YouTube drivel endlessly to escape. And fake news abounds. But so much of what we find solace in is fake treatment. Like taking Tylenol to treat cancer or hoping alcohol or an affair or conspiracy theories will appease our angst and our fears and give us some explanation. In many ways, that call about my mom in November of that year should simply have been expected. The news that she had passed away wasn't the bad news on my other, otherwise good news life. It was the reality of being human in this world. In fact, the happy road trip to California was the exception. Is every happy, smiling family portrait the reality of family life, huh? Of course not. That one second of bliss captured is the exception. The before and after reality of life together is real life. And it can be hard. You know those old black and white family photos where everyone was straight-faced and somber? You know that one? I think that in some ways they were just being honest. Don't you? Sadly, it's hardly news anymore that a bomb has destroyed or that another black person is shot and that jobs are lost and that families crumble and that wars erupt. Bad news is the norm. We want it to be different. We've tasted that it can be, but we're all dealing in variant degrees of the imperfect and the broken. We are a world aching for good news. We need, as Chris Wright has said, a holistic gospel because the world is in a holistic mess. Is there any truly good news in this world where we've been bombarded with the overwhelming dumpster mess that no one seems capable of cleaning up? As Mr. Incredible laments, kids, you remember Mr. Incredible? 
No matter how many times you save the world, it always manages to get back in jeopardy again. Sometimes I just want it to stay saved, he said. I feel like the maid. I just cleaned up this mess. Can we keep it clean for 10 minutes? <laughs> Lori Fox, in a Globe and Mail column published just this past August, the title of the column was The Life You Thought You Were Going to Have Is Gone. <laughs> she writes this. Things are scary. We are allowed to be anxious and afraid right now. We have lost a world. You've got permission to grieve. But in doing that, we might ask if the world we have lost is really as good as we remember, if it was serving the life we hoped we'd have. Hmm. It's a good question. Is the world we have lost these past few months really as good as we remember? Nostalgia is a magician. It turns the past into an illusion of the life you really lived. Nostalgia is a rebranding of the mess we endured. What good news are you longing for? What is the world that you hope for? Are you as honest as Lori Fox? Is the life you're living and embracing really serving the life you hoped you'd have? But even that question exposes a subtle darkness within me that the life we've hoped for is really about me. Isn't it disturbing that we'll live happily when our neighbor's world is falling apart? We talk about the life that we want for ourselves and for those closest to us, but do we yearn for the kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, as Jesus taught us to pray? Do we hope for the life God hopes for? Do we hope for this and pray for good news for our city, for our nation, even for our enemies? Or is it only for ourselves that we will even treat our walk with Jesus as some individualistic romp through the therapeutic lilies that even Jesus and his church must serve my individual desire for the life I want reveals our deep brokenness and our capitulation, not to God's vision for the world, but a caricature, an idol of the life that we want. The true good news is something altogether better than we've yet imagined. Read with me Jesus' first words recorded in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Read along with me where you are. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. These words in Mark are the launch pad for our intergalactic exploration of the world that we hope for. A world not sprinkled with the odd snippets of good news that make life somehow palatable, but a reality that is good news, a holistic good news for a world that is a holistic mess. Jesus arrives with a declaration and an invitation. It contained three parts. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. These three lines are launch pad phrases for where we're headed over the next number of months. 
Now, Mark began his gospel, and gospel is just the translation of the Greek word euangelion, which means good news or good message. Mark began his gospel with these words, Mark chapter 1, verse 1, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But the good news that we need requires preparation. And so as Mark lays out uh, Mark chapter one, as he begins the telling of the story in the life of Jesus, he turns immediately to the prophet Isaiah. He quotes Isaiah, who pointed out that Israel and indeed the whole world would need a trailer to to understand the the full show. Isaiah proclaimed that God will send a messenger calling prepare the way of the Lord. God gives a heads up. We will know that he is coming. Now we all know that a movie has a trailer. You know, you've watched many movie trailers, haven't you? It teases you with the best bits of a movie so that you want to watch it. And this is what the prophets had done, really, like Isaiah chapter 11, which Jethro Lewis read for us earlier. A vision of what can really be is painted. The best bits of what God is promising so that when the real thing arrives, we'd be ready, lining up for the opening night, ready to throw ourselves into a life and a way and a community of good news. But the prophets were really actually the trailer within the trailer because Israel as a nation was the trailer, the main trailer. They were called by Yahweh, the Lord, by an act of deliverance, framed by the law of Yahweh. Israel was to be the trailer of his good news among the nations. And so the Jewish nation were the actors within the trailer and the prophets were like the voiceover in the wilderness of human pride, selfishness, and self-determination, in other words, known as sin. Israel was called to serve the nations, to be, to call the nations to whom they were supposed to be, including herself as a nation. And so Mark begins with Isaiah in verses two and three, and he focuses then following that on John the Baptist as the messenger who is the one proclaiming a baptism and repentance for the forgiveness of sins in Mark chapter one, verse four. So John was like the last trailer before the great release. And any Jew paying any attention could sense it. And crowds, they flooded to John the Baptist and he called them to two things. He called them to repent, which simply means to change your mind. That's what the word means, to change your mind. It's like, I was thinking this way, I've changed my mind. I'm going to think this way now. And so John says, it's time to repent. It's time to repent. The great human sin is our pride, stubborn refusal to change our minds and agree with God. That's your great sin, you know, your stubborn refusal to change your mind and agree with God. And this is important because repenting or changing your mind from your understanding of the world, your understanding of life, your understanding of eternity and and beginning to think from God's perspective is the beginning of understanding the good news unless we're willing to change our minds, unless we have a repentant change of mind, we will not understand the good news. See, you don't rationalize your way into God's good news. You repent your way in. You say, I was wrong. Man, I've been thinking wrong all along. And so the great sin that needs forgiveness is the weed of pride 
in your life. My way is right is our great sin. And until we are ready to repent and change our mind, we'll never get the good news. And so that's where John began, repent. But then he said, don't look to me, but look to the one who's coming. And so John, again, he's the trailer, not the full length feature. He does not let the crowd center on him. They are to repent and to change their mind about personal and even national pride because the great one is coming. The incredible good news that God himself was coming and thus came John with the message of Isaiah for his time, prepare the way of the Lord. And all that leads us to this incredible introduction when we look at this moment where Jesus comes onto the scene and he says those words we read together in verses 14 and 15. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, this is really interesting because do you notice the timeline of what the, when this is happening? It's after John was put in prison. It's after John was arrested. John's preparation message was not loved by the powers that be. John's life and his truth-telling were a threat. In Mark, later in Mark's gospel, he tells the story of what happens to John. John had confronted the king about his sexual immorality. And the king had John put in prison and eventually had him decapitated. His head was cut off as a party game almost in John chapter six. The call to repent is a threat to the world as we want it. And it's so as John is arrested, it's at this most unlikely moment, this most unlikely time that Jesus comes. At the time when the whole enterprise seems most unlikely to succeed, at this moment, Jesus shows up and he comes proclaiming the good news, the gospel of God. John, you see, did not proclaim this good news. He came calling us to prepare for the Lord. And so Jesus' declaration and invitation is bold and clear. Here they are again, remember? Say it with me. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The time has come. But what time is it? In this series, we're going to unpack the backstory of this culmination of hours and months and years. We'll tell the grand story so that you can know that what Jesus really meant when he said the time has come. As a kid, we used to play this game. What time is it, Mr. Wolf? Any of you kids still play that? I don't know. Uh, what time is it, Mr. Wolf? And the wolf would, would stand a ways off, right? And and you had to ask, what time is it, Mr. Wolf? And, and the wolf would say, it's three o'clock. And so you'd take three steps toward Mr. Wolf. And then you'd ask the question again. And eventually you'd ask, what time is it, Mr. Wolf? And the wolf would respond, it's dinner time. And he'd turn and chase you and you'd run screaming for safety. Well, the repentant have approached the unapproachable holy God, having agreed with God that God is right and we are wrong and broken. And we've asked, what time is it? And Jesus says, the time has come. But it's a great reversal. While Mr. Wolf makes us run in the game, Jesus surprises us with the very thing we've most 
been hoping for. The kingdom of God has come near. Now the Jews had waited and waited for the reign of God to break into human history. This was the hopeful message of the prophets all along. Like Jethro read for us, the wolf and the lamb, the child leading, the end of humanity's warring. The prophets said that a king would inaugurate the great reversal of all that was broken. And Jesus now says that kingdom, that reign of Yahweh the Lord, the fulfillment of the promises to the nations, to creation, to every person, that kingdom has come near. And it's an even stronger statement than we assume. He's saying it is present. It is at hand. It is now. And if this is true, if what this Jew from Nazareth is talking about is reality, then this unbelievably good news is ours. For it is precisely the reversal of every, that everyone hopes for. And it demands a response. And Jesus says the response is, Repent and believe the good news. Now, if you're paying attention, you would say, didn't we already repent and change our mind when John was doing his thing? But what has happened? John's been arrested. It all seems to be crumbling. And Jesus is saying at this precise moment when it seems most unlikely and you're considering the great, a great again, a reversal of mind, perhaps changing back to the old way of thinking. Maybe we should just go back to that. Well, says Jesus, ah, 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 ah. repent, repent, and keep your mind changed. But don't just change your mind. Believe the good news. Believe the promises of God are true in spite of what you see. Trust and live now as if the reality Jesus announces is reality. You do not know the good news of God if you have settled for it as a religious formula in your past, like you prayed a prayer and therefore you're good. No, we repent and believe again and again, today, today, tomorrow, the next day, repenting, changing my mind again to agree with God and believe that the good news of God coming near is real and the true definition of what's going on in history. We change our minds that God is right and we begin living as if that is truth. Good news is not just the last bits of a newscast or a week away in the sun to make the rest of life palatable. No, repent and believe the good news. God's kingdom is good news and good news has come into the world in Jesus Christ. And I am invited to live now as if that is true forever and ever. Amen. Now, one last challenging word. Please note that Jesus has at this point when he utters these first words, done nothing else that should make us believe him. He has not taught a parable. He's not done a miracle. He has not yet gone to the cross carrying the weight of our sin and our pride. He has not risen from the dead, but he already calls us to repent and believe the good news. He will do those things. He'll do them all. And because of where we stand in history today, we can see the whole story. 
But that precisely leaves us without excuse. You have no excuse. Because if you choose to reject him, it is your willful choice in light of the whole story. And he gives you the free will to do that. But aren't you tired of the bad news? Aren't you tired of trying to solve it all yourself? Aren't you tired of chasing the thing which never satisfies? Repent and believe the good news. Because the question is simple. Will we change our minds and accept that the good news of the reign of God has come in Jesus Christ? We are always walking by faith, always believing that some news is ultimately true and what we believe about that is revealed in our living. If you agree that the good news is really some version of the Canadian dream, then you will work and live in that direction. If you agree that the good news is tied to a cause or a political perspective or some materialistic dream, you will then live in that direction. If you agree that good news is life as you want it, you will live in that direction. Do you see? But Jesus' invitation... Jesus' invitation to you and I is to repent and believe this good news. The time has come. The reign of God is at hand. And in Jesus Christ, the great reversal has come upon the world. With the arrival of Jesus Christ, God has now initiated life as he intended it for all people. To believe this is to join the great reversal that will never end and will one day culminate in his return. And let us live now already in that direction. The trailer is over. The show has arrived. There's bad news all around, isn't there? This is the theme of the year, it seems. There is bad news in you and I. The weed of sin shows up in our lives. It's destroying your soul, your inner peace, your relationships. It's made a whole mess. But it's not who you and I were created to be. Are you ready to confess it? We are invited to the great reversal, to repent and believe that God is making the world right in Jesus Christ, and it begins in us today. We're going to come to this question, and we'll pop it up on the screen here for you again. This will be the question you discuss together in your hub. If Jesus is God's good news for the world, what does believing look like this week? I wonder, as we just prepare our hearts for communion, we're coming to the Lord's table together today. And as a hub or in your household right now, I hope you have some of the bread and the cup prepared. And we're going to pause in just a second for some silent prayer and reflection. Kids, as you're listening in on this, if you've given your life to Jesus and you're ready to follow him as your Lord, you can take and partake in communion. Uh, parents, you take the lead on that with your kids. You know them. You know their story. If you haven't given your life to Christ, it's okay. Just say, hey, I'm not ready for that yet. I'm just, I'll, I'll watch. I'll participate. I'll, I might pray. 
but I'm, I'm not ready to make that step. But maybe today you're actually ready to make that step. You're saying, actually, it's true. I must repent. I must change my mind. God's way is right because everything I see around me is telling me it's wrong. God's way is right and I repent and I'm going to believe this good news that the kingdom has come near. Maybe that's you. And so we're going to read some scripture together in just a second, but just like pause and pray for a second. Maybe you want to hold your hands open. Kids, if you're in the room, let's just silently sit together, can we? Jesus is present with us. Lord, we humble ourselves before you. We give ourselves to you for your glory. We need you. We change our minds. We repent. Forgive us, oh God, for our pride and our stubbornness and our desire to want life our way and for others to want life our way. We're sorry. We want life your way. We want your good news revealed in Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Deliverer, our Savior. Set us free from the grip of sin. Set our eyes on the hope of glory. Settle our hearts by your peace and your power. And make us a church for your glory, salt and light, hope in this community and in this world that's so full of bad news. We give ourselves to you with gratitude today in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. I'm just going to grab some bread and the cup here. wonder if you could follow along on the scriptures that'll be on the screen here uh, in your hub, where you are. Let's read this together. Uh, while they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said this, take it. This is my body. And then he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And he said, and they all drank from it. And he said, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. And he said to them, truly, I tell you, I will not drink from it again. I will not drink from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. And so in your hub right now, Reflecting on those words, Jesus' broken body, his blood shed for us for the forgiveness of sins. Being the people of God together where we need to be reconciled to one another, forgiving one another in the same way we have been forgiven. Distribute the bread and distribute the cup. Eat and drink together. And in just a second, I'll call you back and we'll end our time together today.
Brothers and sisters in Christ, the body of Christ has been broken for you and his blood has been shed for you. Repent and believe this good news. As we close, I just invite you to this question. I've prepped you for it a few times. Now in your hub is the time to discuss. Maybe you need to tidy up some more conversation. Maybe there's some reconciling to do among yourselves as you think about communion and being together at the Lord's table. But here's the question once again. If Jesus is God's good news for the world, what does believing look like this week? Practically, what does it look like to repent and believe his good news in your world? this week. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Hello, KGF Church family. My name's Michelle. I'm the lead administrator here at KGF Church. We're really happy to report that as of September 1st, our pastor Levi is back with us full time. That's a huge blessing. And we thank God for, for that provision every day. Um, as we work through job duties and descriptions, the board and the leadership team are working on um, pastoral duties and jobs that will be reported in an HR report in this fall at the AGM. Uh, we'll be announcing an AGM date shortly. We also want to say that KGF is open. That's uh, We're able to accommodate some groups who need a space this fall and winter um, for hosting um, either a small group, a life group, or a hub. So if you don't have space in your home and you're hoping to do something um, to allow for physical distancing, you can call the church office or email office at kgfchurch.com and we can help to try to find a space for you. And finally, there's a financial update um, in Thursday's newsletter. So you can see that there. We're so thankful that we've been continued um, that we've been able to continue uh, meeting our financial needs this year, and we're really great, grateful for that as we all partner together to continue uh, the ministry that God has set for us. Thank you.